The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. Welcome to Talk is Jericho, the pot of thunder and rock and roll. The remedy for boredom has arrived. The People's Podcast is here. Let's go for a ride. Franken chicken. He's a bad mother clucker. Franken chicken. Franken chicken. He's a bad mother clucker. Franken chicken. Franken chicken. He's a bad mother clucker. Franken chicken. Franken chicken. He's a bad mother clucker. Franken chicken. The evil of the Franken chicken spreads across the nation, especially today, because it's Friday. It's Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. And today, WWE's giant Irishman Seamus is on the show. What a cool guy. I went over to his house. He lives about 10 minutes away from me, which is uh, crazy. I didn't even know that. Had a chance to hang out with him and talk shop, talk about his big return, talk about his big uh, his big um, heel uh, persona, his big hair, um, talk all about what led him back to the WWE, what led him there in the first place, his early years talking about Bono and talking about he's an IT guy. He's like a, a really smart dude. So many cool things uh, coming up with a Shamus, as Del Rio used to call him. I'm working with Shamus tonight. <laughs> Big, tough, hard-hitting Irishman. Going to be on the show today. I believe it's his podcast debut. And you can say, oh, he did uh, Shecky McGee's podcast. I'm talking about the big the big guns and you know it seems like everybody's got a podcast nowadays but you know which ones are the big ones and Seamus Shamus has never done another podcast that I know of and I'm excited to have him on the show today um because it's been kind of a, a a rough week for uh for old uh, Y2J here I mean hopefully you, you enjoyed the um Stephanie Jericho uh, live with Chris Jericho. Um, we'll talk more about that next week. But uh, had a great time with it. Had a great time doing live with Chris Jericho. Probably not going to be doing uh, any more for a little while. Um, I have some big announcements. We'll, we'll help you to understand the reason for that. And I will announce those up- upcoming. Maybe even as soon as this weekend. Maybe even tomorrow. Just uh, stick around and see. But um, yeah, the week started kind of crappy. Fozzie had a show in Atlanta last Friday night, which was cool. And uh, then I, let me go through this myself 
and Jeff and Billy and Frank flew from Atlanta to Jacksonville, and Rich was supposed to join us, but the person that was going to drive the trailer with all of our gear into it decided not to show up, which is what happens a lot of times uh, in showbiz. So Rich was forced to drive the trailer himself. Now, Rich is a longtime veteran, not a big deal. It was a six-hour drive. Um, he left pretty much after the show. They stopped at a truck stop, grabbed a couple hours sleep, kept on driving, got into Jacksonville, went to the hotel, slept a little bit longer. So it was cool. Meanwhile, me and the rest of the guys got like two hours sleep, got up early, flew to Jacksonville. There you go. So when I get there, uh, I got to do some press. We got there at about noon, and we were supposed to go on at 2.30. So I had to do some press, and I had to kind of um, you know, get everything situated. The guys go. They take the gear out because we're just doing like a one-shot thing. Uh, we don't really have our crew. We don't have a bus. We don't have anything. It's just a one-shot. So the guys are unloading the trailer, and there's kind of local roadies that help out for the festival. This is a big festival in Jacksonville called Welcome to Rockville. Now, we played it last year, okay? And the guys that promote all the festivals across the states, if you play at a festival, you usually don't get invited back the very next year. It's just kind of protocol. And we played a lot of festivals last year. Carolina Rebellion, Rock on the Range, uh, you know, 98 Rock Fest, blah, 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 blah. But the one festival that invited us back was Welcome to Rockville, which is weird because the guys that promote all the other festivals promote Rockville. And he said... You know, we can't have you back because you played last year, but you can play Rockville again. Well, we were just just threw your own theory out of the water, basically saying that we don't book bands two years in a row, but we'll book you on one of our shows. So anyways, it's our one big festival appearance in the States this summer, and it's double of what it was last year. I mean, this is packed. I saw as soon as I got there at noon, the place was full. And it's a big, giant field in downtown Jacksonville, a place called Metro Park. And I think it holds about 30,000 people. And I believe last year it had about 1920. This year it's sold out. And people are there early. And that's one of the cool things. There's a lot of festivals in Europe in the summertime. As a matter of fact, when you're in a band, you call it festival season. Because that means that you go to Europe for two weeks or three weeks. And you do all the festivals over there. So... Now they're taking that same concept and moving it over to the States, which is amazing because now all the bands don't have to go overseas and be away from home for so long. You can just go kind of tour throughout the month of May or June or whatever it may be and do all the festivals over in your own country, which is killer. So uh, it's good that, that people um, as well are starting to show up early because that's something that's really amazing about you know download for example in the uk if you're playing at noon like last year we played the main stage at noon and there's forty thousand people there people come to see your band okay so that was really really cool and same thing was happening uh, at welcome to rockville we were on fairly early but there was a lot of people there people were chanting fozzy in between bands had a lot of people like uh, fellow band members press Fans on Twitter were excited to see your set. We're so excited we came to see Fozzie and this, that, and the other thing. So it's set up. You know, it's a softball waiting to be hit right off the tee. So we're, we're feeling good, man. You know, the night before in Atlanta, it was a good crowd, but it wasn't super, super huge or super crazy. But that's okay because the next day in Jacksonville, it's going to be one of those nights, right? One of those days where you just play a killer show and people are just go nuts. And you make a lot of new fans at a show like that because if you're playing a festival, a band like us, 
let's say 30% of the crowd knows who we are. That's enough to get the ball rolling, get people chanting Fozzie, get people into it, get people uh, start having fun, and that becomes very infectious. So the other 70% that might have never heard Fozzie before, or maybe maybe there's more, maybe it's 50%, I don't know. But there's always a, a contingent that have never heard your band or seen your band. Maybe, maybe they've heard of us, but haven't heard the specific tunes and seen us live. And when we play live, we're made for a big stage. Anybody that's seen Fozzie knows like we're Van Halen in 1979. We make sure people have a great time. That's our thing. We don't have pyro uh, shooting off the drummer's you know, uh, ball bag. We don't have a dragon flying from the ceiling. We are the show. We put on a very entertaining, energetic, crowd participation-esque show. And when people are at a festival and they're having drinks and they want to have a good time, we're your perfect band. Not a lot of mosh pits at a Fozzie gig, but a lot of people jumping up and down and you know, chanting, hey, 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 one, two, three, and chanting Fozzie and showing their boobs, whether they're girls or guys. We don't care. The more, the more boobs, the better, right? So we are looking forward to this set, okay? So everything gets set up, and, and we're in. You get a little trailer. Everybody gets trailers, all the bands. So we're getting ready. And now, before a show, and this is the same with wrestling, you put on your gear, you put on your suit of armor, and you get ready. Okay, so if it's wrestling, you put on your tights and your boots and then you're ready to rock with 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 Fozzie. I got stage where I put on my black pants with the the, the studs and silver on it. I was going to wear like the dirty white dress shirt that I took outside uh, into the uh, underneath a tree and took some actual soil and rubbed it on the dress shirt to get it all dirty looking and then i have this kind of black sequin tie i put that on you roll the sleeves up it's looking pretty cool and because it's in the daytime i'm not going to wear a lighted jacket but i got another all stud gold and silver it looks killer okay so i put the stuff on and i go walk around for one last uh i don't know what i was doing i had to go talk to somebody or i had to go find some something out i know what it was i was talking to the the head of our record company century media was there to come see fozzy specifically and it's always good when the head of your company's there because you know you, you got somebody to impress you got to put on a show and make sure that your boss digs it so i went to talk to him for a second as i'm walking back to the trailer it starts spitting out you know there's a couple you know little sprinkles of water uh you know drops of rain and I'm like, well, hopefully this will go away because the rumor was that it was supposed to rain. But I'm like, well, if it's going to rain, it'll probably rain later on in the day because it wasn't like cloudy or anything like that. It was, you know, a few, you know, little scattered dark clouds, but whatever. So it starts spinning. I go in the trailer. I put on my, my shoes. I put on my shirt. Like now I'm in rock mode and I'm almost ready to start warming up. And I look outside and it's raining. And it's not just raining, like it's pouring rain. I open, the, you know, sometimes when it's raining, you open the door and it's got that that's what it sounds like. That's what it was like. Guys come running back in the trailer. Jeff comes running in. He's got some friends with him. You know, everybody's scattered. Rich went back to the van and Frank's in there and it's like, what's going on? And I, um, funny thing is I had just gotten a tweet about three minutes before that. They said, they're not letting any more people into the festival. Don't they know who's on? in like 20 minutes and this is us like we're up 20 minutes the band before us had just finished now it's changeover 2 30 it's fozzy okay and now it's about 2 10 
and I had just read that they're not letting any more people into the festival. I'm like, oh, that's weird. I wonder why. And then five minutes later, I know why because it's a torrential downpour. So now there's like the two people from a record company, the four members of Fozzie besides Rich who's somewhere else. Uh, Jeff had brought two friends and there was um, a couple of people. So there's like 10 people in this trailer. That probably holds about 10 people. But it's just coming down. And the worst feeling in the world is they've evacuated the field. All right. So there's nobody out there. Everybody had to go get evacuated off the field and stand under an overpass that was close to the field. So we know, like we're on in like 10 minutes and it's that sinking, horrible feeling. Like there's no way if the, if the, if the heavens open up now and the sun, and sun starts shining, maybe we can still go and set up our gear because they had to take everything off the stage and you can't have any electronics on stage and there's no fans. There's 20,000 people standing under a freaking overpass, you know, half a mile down the road. So it's like, we're screwed. You know, we're screwed. I mean, maybe if if it stops now, we might still get to play for like 10 minutes, right? And, of course, it keeps going and going and going. And finally, one of the festival site workers comes in and says, listen, they want everybody to go inside and uh, stand inside this TV studio. There's like a brick building TV studio on site because there's a tornado warning and we don't want anybody in the trailers. And I'm like, okay, now we're screwed. Torrential downpour, evacuation, lightning, and tornado warning. Okay. And of course, you know, when there's a tornado warning, what happens? It hits the trailer parks and we're in a trailer. So you just see the time tick away and suddenly it's three o'clock and then it's three thirty. Now I'm looking at the schedule to see how many bands um, are getting canceled because now obviously I feel bad for the crowd. I feel bad for the fans because a lot of people have been waiting for like months to come to welcome to Rockville. A lot of people have been waiting for months to see Fozzie. We've been waiting to play it, but now we're canceled. And I'm like, I hope we're not the only sad sack band that gets canceled. You know, like I, I don't want the festival to get canceled. I want the, the kids to see as many bands as they can, but man, they, I hope there's other bands that get canceled too. And, you know, I think upon a burning body got canceled and Exodus got canceled and maybe of mice and men, but it wasn't that long. It was only about a two hour time frame, And then as soon as it cleared up, it cleared up for good. It was great. Okay. I shouldn't say for good. It cleared up perfectly. Queensryche was supposed to get on. They went on right away. They played their set. Periphery played their set. Like everybody's now back on track. Hailstorm. Everybody's happy. So I had press all day long. Of course, that all gets canceled. For that three-hour time, I was missed my gig. I missed the FYE signing where you sell albums because everybody waits in line to get your signature. And I missed a bunch of press. But finally, the, 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 the rain goes away, and it's like you got another signing at the Marshall booth. I go to the Marshall booth. It's a long, long queue to, to, to do, do the Fozzie signing, which is just me now because everybody else is packing the gear, and it just became a whole cluster, you know? So I'm signing uh, for this big, long line at the Marshall tent, uh, Marshall ampl- amplifiers. Testament is playing, and I've signed for probably, I don't know, 100 people, and there's 100 more, if not more. 200 more let's say and guess what here comes the tornado warnings again and everybody gets evacuated testament set gets cut and my signing gets cut so i couldn't buy any luck we we, we, the gig got canceled the signing got canceled it was just it just sucked because as soon as i was walking over to that signing and i see people going nuts for testament like that should have been us 
You know, we, we should have had those cheers. You know, people were chanting Fozzie, Fozzie after the band before us finished. And just a really poopy feeling. I think, you know, six out of the 50 bands got canceled and we were one of those six. So that that was really lame. And then, you know, later on this week, I found out that there's this gig I've been working on for a year, a year. And I found out I didn't get it. I was the second choice. And this thing was a career maker, like a game changer of all game changers. This was a huge, huge gig. And I got all the way. To the, I feel like I'm in a in a boxing match with Floyd Mayweather and we go the distance and I lose by decision. That's exactly how I feel right now. So. You know, I mean, it's one of those things sometimes, and I'll let you know what it is when the time is right, but I got to keep it secret for now, probably not for too long. But, um, you know, and that's life, man. I mean, sometimes you think you got a shoe in, you think you got everything lined up and you're perfect for something or whatever it may be, uh, and it just falls apart and you end up with nothing. So the only thing you can do is just pick yourself up, brush yourself off, get back on that horse and ride it into the ground. That's the only thing you can do. You can sit there and, and be miserable, and that's kind of the, the initial thought process, but shake it off, man. Give yourself that day to feel bad, be depressed, and then wake up the next day and realize there's nothing you can do about it. Because this audition that I had, first of all, you can't fight God with the rainstorm uh, at the Fozzie gig. There's nothing I can do. And the gig that I didn't get, the audition that I had was killer it was the best audition i could have done i couldn't have done better and it just wasn't exactly what they were looking for i gave him 99 out of 100 and the other person gave him 100 out of 100 so uh and a lot of times that's subjective you know i went left and maybe the other guy went right and maybe they wanted right instead of left so anyways point being if you have confidence in yourself as everybody should you believe in yourself as everybody should you just got to keep on rolling man you know like i said that's that's part of life and you can't let yourself get too worked up or feel too bad about it because there's certain things that are just literally out of your control okay so when those things happen you can't freak out you just got to keep on moving stay positive stay cool and know that there's always other things um you know, close door number one and something else comes between door uh, behind door number two. And sometimes you don't understand that. And sometimes you don't know what that might be. But I'll tell you what, if you live in the past and live uh, with regret or live with wondering what if you will drive yourself crazy. Okay. So be cool. And uh, remember, there's certain things that are just out of your control. You just jump right back up. You get back in the fight. Don't let the bastards get you down and keep on rolling. All right? Okay. That's what I got to say. All right? Give, give me a yeah boy out there. I said, give me a yeah boy. All right. <sighs> I like these little rants that I go on from time to time. They make me smile. Keep Speaking of making me smile, is, is something that's good is that my new uh, Comedy Central web series, Nothing to Report, has now done over three quarters of a million views, still growing. I want you to help me get this over a million views by the end of next week. If you haven't checked it out, please go to YouTube. Type in nothing to report. There's six episodes. They're about five minutes each. I guarantee you're going to laugh at it, okay? You can go to ComedyCentral.com as well. The more people who watch, the more people who check this out, 
the better chance we have to get this thing picked up as a series or to do more web episodes, all right? If you liked it, watch it again. My favorite episodes are Emotional Scars. I'm really getting into Partners and really getting into uh, Captain Ed. Those are my three favorites right now. Go check those out, all right? But they're all good. There's only six episodes. I guarantee you'll laugh out loud if you check it out, okay? Team Tiger Awesome, Nick Mundy, Clint Gage, Michael Truly, they were on Talk as Jericho a few weeks ago. They created, directed, starred in the series, and they're hilarious, guys. I want to do more work with them, man. So go watch Nothing to Report and go check out the Team Tiger Awesome uh, episode of Talk as Jericho, okay? Do it, and go do it right now. Please, I'm begging you. Please, I'm down on my knees, baby. I'm down on my knees, I need your help to make this series a hit. (laughs) All right. Love talking to Steph Nuke, man, tonight, man. She's super, super fun. Had a great conversation. Hope you enjoyed it. Like I said, we'll talk more about that. Uh, We'll talk more to Seamus. He's on the way for his podcast debut. We did it at his house, so I wanted to look good. You know, I wore a brand uh, brand new suit. Brand new set of wellies because it was raining. I love saying the word wellies, the rubber boots in English, uh, in England. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This this is Talk is Jericho. All right, man. I am here at the uh, it's very nice, almost like a mansion. This would be a mansion if we were in Ireland. Jesus, yeah. I don't know. Where <laughs> the house of Seamus. <laughs> yeah, man. So, uh, it, and it's it's good to talk to you. I can't believe you live basically right down the house, right down the street from my house. Ten minutes, man. I didn't even know. I didn't yeah, know it either. Crazy. I punched it into my GPS and I was like, that Winn-Dixie is where I grocery <laughs> shop. You it's know? depressing in there. Though. That's the only thing about that supermarket. I walk in there, I feel like I'm walking into a morgue. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's pretty bad. But uh, it's crazy, yeah. Like. I love it out here. It's uh, we're about twenty minutes out, outside Tampa, and it's um, it's just kind of very like, country and it's very you know it's very quiet and especially when you come off the road, I like I like that feeling of getting home and just kind of just getting away from kind of everything. being off the beaten path, right? Definitely, because that's the thing. Like, and I think sometimes people maybe don't realize like when we're on the road, like from the moment you go out of your house to go to the airport. You're on because if someone recognizes you or someone says, hey, it's Seamus, you can't take a picture and then you got to go to work and then you're working the whole time, you know, there's six hours before the show that you got to get ready. So when you come home, man, I just like to just detach and don't really do much of anything, you know? No, I totally agree. When you go on the road, it's like, um, you, you know, you get in the car, that's it. You, you, once, once, as soon as you hit the airport, as soon as you hit Veterans Expressway, mm-hmm. uh, you're on the road. Like, and even when, when, you're, when you're traveling, like from airports and, and gyms, and, you know, there's fans everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's great to be able to interact with them and talk to them. But as I said, you're always on. And then most of the time, a lot of the guys are traveling with other, other lads, for, like other, other guys that have their group of, of, of guys to hang out with. Mm-hmm. So you're always around somebody where it's the hotels, right. where you're in the car. And, and it's it just, to me, this is perfect. Just to, like you need those couple of days just to kind of unwind um, and, uh, and, and get back to normality. Because like, mm-hmm. that, that's really, it's a good, good way to separate everything from work. And, Do you and, still and travel with other guys or do you travel on your own? 
Um, so well, since I came back, uh, I've kind of been traveling on my own. The other day, I was in the I traveled with Fandango and uh, Bray Wyatt, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So they're the good group of lads. I've traveled with Titus before in the past, and then of course before then, I traveled with Drew McIntyre and um, and Jinder. Mm-hmm. Um, Drew I've known for uh, many many years, uh, one of my, my best mate. Um, but uh, no, it's always good. I always good. It's good. It's good to have a good group of guys you hang out when you like. But sometimes as well, I've, I've, I like the idea of just traveling on my own. Oh, yeah. just good way of unwinding. I'm the same way. Cause, I mean, we, I went from you know, traveling from six with six guys in a minivan to five <laughs> to four to three to two. And, and sometimes, you know, when you're by yourself, it's so much easier. You don't have to worry about, like, hey, if I want to go to the gym at 11 in the morning or if I want to go at two in the afternoon or maybe I don't want to go today, yeah. you don't have to worry about the guy, like, what time do you want to eat? What time do you want to go to the gym? Or what do you want to listen to on the radio? Like, it does give you a little peace of mind to have that kind of sanctuary on your own. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. I, we just came back from the European trip, too, and like there's that sort of feeling. It's a it's great fun. You get to see a lot of Europe. You get to see, you get to perform in front of some amazing fans. And it's also special for me when I go back to Ireland. But at the time, you still have to you have to bus a certain time. There's a schedule mm-hmm. you have to adhere to. And when you're on the road, it's good not to have. To, I kind of find it's good. To, you know, you wait if you if you don't get to if you sleep late or you like it takes mm, until three yeah. in the morning to get to sleep. And some lads want to train eight in the morning. You know, you need to get your rest. And you need to get your head together. So there's definitely uh, an advantage of traveling on your own. But you know, that's that's the that's the lifestyle. I mean, I, I, came, I did IT for years. I worked in Ireland, um, and then I moved over to Canary Wharf. And IT like uh, like computers, com- yeah. computer. Computer fixing? <laughs> computer fixing or computer breaking, depending on what, what That's what IT at. is. Like, what does that stand for? Uh, information technology. It's, really? It's a, it's a very vague, IT is a very vague word. Like, I, It's funny, you know, when I, um, my dad works in security IT in Dublin. Um, and when I was in college, I went to do, I did human resource management. And I, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was something I got, got thrown into by my career guidance teacher. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I was very much of a dreamer, you know, and I, I always dreamed, like, to me, my pa- I always wanted to be in the WWE. Now, people say it all the time, and it, it becomes very uh, cliche, And mm-hmm. but generally, I legitimately, it's all I wanted to do. Um, but, you know, in college, even in college, I had no interest in any of these, like, there's a lot of different courses going on in Trinity and DCU. I just, I never really, like, for me... It kind of took it's it probably you know stopped me a little bit because sometimes when you have a goal you you reach for that goal okay i want to get this to go to this college but like i never really had anything i want to do and career guidance teacher said oh you're good with people let's just do uh human resource management well well the great thing was when i did human resource management that my class was like i think 95 percent girls and five uh, <laughs> percent guys so i was like this is great this is uh, a yeah. fair play i'm thinking like you know this this my great guy teacher has my back you're not a wing but she's a, my wingman you know yeah but uh but yeah it came you know it was i didn't, it didn't really work out i went into it through my dad and again it is very vague like people who like fix printers or like replace pr- uh, paper and printer. That would be IT. I'm IT, yeah. or you know what I mean, or someone who like looks after high end networks and, and security uh, systems for for banks and stuff. They're IT. So it was a funny stage, like because IT was really starting to take off when I left when I left college, and I, everybody everybody was IT. It was just a way of just like sounding like you know what I mean. <laughs> you're, you're, 
Scary. It's like going to college for business. Yeah, business. Yeah, exactly. I got my degree in business. What does that mean? Well, it could be anything. Such a vague area. That's so funny, IT, because I know that um, uh, Wade Barrett, I had him on the show, and he had, he was like some kind of a... Like, marine biologist. Marine biologist? Is that what he was? Like a financial office guy or something? Like all you guys had like real jobs. What's funny, because you hear a lot of times guys from the UK, they start wrestling when they're 14 or 15, yeah. but you guys actually have like brains. Yeah, there's, like there's, there's brains thing. in there. There's brains in there somewhere, Chris. <laughs> I think. So, can you still fix? Like, what was your specialty? Fixing computers, or I started off fixing computers. I started off them just building them, like putting them together, and then uh, I moved on to like kind of network stuff, like office stuff, like uh, putting everyone on, on a network and, and um, Active Directory, Windows 2000. It's all like sounds like jibber jabber, but uh, you know, I got into it. But my problem was. I um, I never had a. I mean, never had a passion. I mean, who has a passion for IT? I mean, I'm sure there's people out there who have a passion. Oh, yeah. I want to be IT, man. I want to be yeah. IT, man. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but like, it's just I didn't never really had that type of passion uh, for. I mean, what was it? Me, it was just a job. Mm-hmm. So, um, I got to a certain level. I, I worked for a really good company called the Hartford Life. They moved over there. I worked with some great people. Pat Quinn was my boss and Deb Berg. Uh, they were the most understanding people ever. It was funny because I was work. I, I I started wrestling for Irish with wrestling. That's really how I got back into wrestling in, in, uh, in Ireland because I started off, uh, I, I, basically I met Bret Hart in 2002. I met him in Lily's nightclub. For in, in Dublin? In Dublin, Because you were yeah. working there, right? Yeah. I was still, I, like, I, I had three jobs at one stage because I've always been, like, I've worked since I was about 12, 13. I worked at a garage next to my house. So I was, my dad's always been adamant about making my own money. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time I hate him for that statement because I was just like, <laughs> you bastard, do you know what I mean? You just don't want to give me any bleeding money. Uh, so, but uh, overall, no, it was a great, a great idea because he made me earn, uh, realize the value of money at an early age. And um, I wanted to buy a house, like house property in, in Ireland was through the roof uh, when I was about 18, 19. I'm actually older than that, sorry. So um, I was I had three jobs. I was like working. I like working the door. Liddy's. I worked in another place called Brussels. I think you've been in there many times. Yeah, so we played a couple of shows there, and I uh, or in, in Dublin, and I go in there. Oh, Seamus uh, Stephen yeah. Stephen Farrelly used to work here. I'm like, who the hell is Stephen Farrelly? And I'm like, oh, Seamus. Oh yeah, yeah. Seamus used to work here. Yeah, yeah, it was great crack years ago. There was, there was three bars. Downstairs, you have the rock bar, which my my dad actually used to go with as a teenager with my mom. And What's the place it, called? Brussels. Brussels, yeah. Is that where the statue of Phil Lizzie? Or Phil Lizzie, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah right. Yeah. I was just there a couple, uh, last tour we were there, about six months ago or so. Honestly, it's one of the best bars in Dublin. Yeah, it's and, a great place. Like, yeah. So there's a rock bar? Downstairs is a rock bar. The other side's kind of like a more trendy bar. So there's two bars downstairs. And upstairs is this, like... It's just it's the, it's the Monday to Sunday night drinkers uh, who go there all the time, <laughs> aka seven days a week. Exactly, but that's a big place. Like for rock guys, to go there. Like everybody who plays, if you're from America or you want to go to Brazil's, yeah. to see the statue. Did you used to see a lot of the guys down there at all? Yeah, or? I saw uh, like Slayer will come in all the time. Yeah, uh, Megadeth. The funniest thing was uh, the, the most the weirdest thing a night I had. I was I was there one night. It was like Monday night, so. I did Brussels from six to twelve on Monday, so I finished work and, and I drive in. And just just the way it was, just you know, I like to have a bit extra money in my pocket, and you know, and I, I just I like working because I like socializing with people, you know. Mm. And I was training, so I wasn't really interested in drinking that much. 
But uh, we used to call Monday night the, Monday the suicide shift because from six o'clock when town got dead, it was like the three hours, all, literally tumbleweeds coming down the street, right? <laughs> and me and the guy called Niall would be standing there and our heads would be wrecked. Like just, it just bored out of your mind, you know? Right. It was just... It was a great thing because it just made me realize, listen, I can't be doing it. You know, I mean, yeah, if I, if I've ever, not what I want to do for my life. Exactly, you know. But um, I, I got on, but like I remember we closed up and I opened the door and it's a small fella, bald head with his big bushy beard. And uh, he goes, I can I come in? He had a bit of American accent. I'm going to come in. I said, no, no, sorry, mate, we're closed, you know. And I looked down and I was like, I know you, you know. And he's just looking at me like, I, 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 he was like, he's probably about like, I don't know. He wasn't that tall at all, but uh Matthew McConaughey was coming in. He just did that was it, filming that Rain of Fire movie. Oh, about the dragons. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. I think they were filming at Wicklow. So he was coming in for, for, for a pint. So, uh, you know, it was just, that's the type of thing. Like, Purcell's, you know, he just, everybody was in yeah, town. Yeah, that's the just, place to go if yeah. you're in Dublin, right? That's yeah. the place you want to be, right? It's funny. I couldn't believe how, how short he was, though. Well, that's the, it's funny shocked. when you... Yeah, I was it, like, what? Where's the rest of you gone, mate? <laughs> <laughs> because those guys are the big hero leading yeah, men. jacked up guy you know? on TV. Exactly. So it's funny, like, so when you're working at, like, in, like, in Dublin, of course, the big thing is, like, okay, well, uh, who's the big fan? Like, you 2 they're from Ireland. Do you ever see, like, you 2 wandering around? <laughs> yeah. Like well, I worked in Lily's, too, and Bono would always come in there. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So uh, he'd be always in. It was Did you talk to him at all? Yeah, you know what? Bono was, Bono's, like... Bono gets a bad rap, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like comments like, "Oh, Bono thinks he's Jesus, or he thinks he's God, and all this." But um, I never like the, the thing about Liddy's was, or it well was, and it still is. It's still going. Like I still drop in there when I'm, I'm home. Is that like a lot? There was a lot of pretenders in there. It made me realize as well a lot of things like about people. Like I met some really good people in there. Like one of my my best, my best mates in between him and Drew is Ray Senior. And like I met some good people, but I also met some like seriously phonies, man. Like just mm-hmm. people like who just just people who are pretty worthless, like people who there's no substance to. Um, and uh, it just you, you weed them out, you know. Like they're just users yeah. or whatever it is, or socialites. It just breeze past you, you know what I mean. Barely say hello once they got once they got what they that they knew you. Once they got in the door, or in the yeah. door, exactly, exactly. But Bono. Man, would he would walk in and he would go and shake the hand of the fella sweeping the lane hmm. or, or picking up the glass or uh, like the, everybody. He'd just hmm. go around and say hello to everybody. He made his intention to go around and say, that, that was pretty, that's classy. You know Absolutely. What I mean? Especially for like for who he is and what he's achieved. But it was funny, I used to have a friend of mine, um, a lot of mates in Dublin, like they're a bit mad, right? And, uh, <laughs> one in particular who's uh, half, half Spanish, half Irish, just to me. You should never worse. be mixed again after looking at this guy. <laughs> yeah. But he, uh, he, he was, he'd always come in. The lads, I'd always bring the lads in because it entertained me. Because if I couldn't go out with them, I'd bring them into Lily's, you know, so I get them in and all. And there was girl Valerie Rose on the door. She was, uh, she's the, 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 she was kind of like she was like the, the, the headmistress of the club, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, to get past her was she's just so she used to have mood swings like she wouldn't let your mates in or she would. It was just it was just that kind of aura of this club, you know, and. Um, Jerry Riley, of course, uh, who's still very good friends with, like he, he liked to drink or two. But one time I met him in the members bar, and I guess he, was, he went on this, this rampage from watching, um, he'd been watching uh, Jackass mm-hmm. and Party Boy. So he felt like he was in Greece for two weeks, and he felt like the, he, he enjoyed <laughs> imitating Party Boy, which is where he would dr- basically drop down to his underpants and be started jumping it just around. just dance, yeah. So, <clears throat> 
bombed the lilies a couple of weeks after he gets back from this. Oh, of course, I don't know anything about it. So then we go in the members bar, Bono's near the table. So I'm like, Grant, enjoy yourself. Just, you know, behave. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. I'll behave, I'll behave. All of a sudden, one of the lads, fuck, uh, one of the lads grabs my shoulder and goes, oh, Steve, oh, Jerry's in there. I said, oh, no, yeah. He goes, no, 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 no. You better get him. I look over. Right behind Bono, Jerry Riley is doing the party boy trick, stripping off his top, pulling off his pants down to all he's got his pair of like white Calvin Klein jockeys right behind Bono's head. I ran in, grabbed him with a scrub neck, dragged him out. Uh, I, nearly, I nearly battered him. I was it was it was very very funny. You but, can't uh, party boy behind Bono. Oh, no. <laughs> so how is it for you? Like you mentioned, you just did the European tour, and you yeah. guys had a Dublin show. How is it when you go back there now as you know superstar, world your former world champion Seamus? You know, it's 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 unbelievable. It's unbelievable, Chris, because like you know, it goes back to being the O two. I remember the first show I saw. Um, when I, the first live show I saw, my ma brought me. It was um, the main event was uh, was Million Dollar Man Teddy Biasi against uh, the British Bulldog. Oh wow! Yeah, it was brilliant. Uh, Barbarian was on the show. Uh, there was um, Shawn Michaels was on the show. Uh, even the Berserker <laughs> <laughs> was on the show. So uh, you know it was great. And the, the Point Depot it's a, it's a very it's a very famous building in Dublin, and. I, I went for a couple of tryouts there before I went to TVs. I remember um, I went in there. My first, um, the first time I went in there, I, I had no idea what I was doing. Mate. I, I'd been wrestling Irish with wrestling. We hadn't been training properly. That's a great name, by the way. Irish, Irish whip wrestling. Irish with wrestling, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because uh, Simon Rashford, who was the promoter, uh, who owned the company, was just like, when he did it, he just it was a tribute to Dan O'Mahony and the Irish whip move, you know? It was like, Dan O'Mahony's like Dan, one of the yeah. most famous Irish wrestlers, right? Yeah. Of all time, yeah. And uh, he was like thinking of a tribute, but what happened was every time we mentioned the name Irish whip wrestling, people were thinking it was some sort of fetish. <laughs> fetish <laughs> whips and chains <laughs> yeah. and, and leather gear, you know? <laughs> but uh, but I, I went in there with a couple of guys um, the first time, disaster. Like, it really was disaster. I really like, got our egos kicked. And then I went back on my own again. Um, it was actually just, it was November. It was actually like a week after Eddie passed away. Mm -hmm. And I went in and, I mean, obviously the mood was, was so down, you know, because it was a SmackDown group I was on too, and Eddie was obviously part of that group. So I met uh, Finley. Yeah, that's right, because there was a European tour. Right A lot after. of guys couldn't even go to his funeral because they had to leave to go overseas. Yeah. 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 So you met Finley. So I met a lot of the guys, but you could tell that they, you, could tell, you could tell the whole... Uh, you could tell, like, the atmosphere in the back and everybody was so down. Like, everybody was just, like, demoralized after right. what happened with Eddie. Um, so, I'm, you know, and I was there and I was there for a tryout and it was just a nervous day, you know what I mean? Like, the whole thing. I met Finley, who, to me, at the beginning was one of the most intimidating lads I've ever met. Me oh, for sure, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. You get to know Fit, greatest guy in the world, but, like, it takes a while to earn his trust. And, and being a fellow Irishman, did did that help at all, or did it did it hinder? Was, I think it hindered. Was he me. harder on you because of it? I think so because I, I you know, I felt that because he's because he's Irish too. I felt there was a big there was a deal there where I'd have to really prove myself mm -hmm. to him. You know, when you hear like second generation superstars, like like you know, obviously Ted DiBiase Jr. and Harry Smith, and you know these guys, like it's like um, you know and the Samoans, like they have to work harder because yeah. they're you know. I felt kind of the same way with Fit because. Like obviously, you know, he's created such a great uh, legacy, you know, and a, you know, um, of of from from being Irish and being one of the 
to me, he's one of the greatest superstars oh, sure ever. Is. Yeah. But uh, I felt that. I felt like it was like, I got to prove, I really, really have to go beyond here to prove. And, and the biggest star from Ireland, I'd say. Biggest worldwide yes. star, I mean, besides yourself. And then now you got Baylor as well. But at the time, you're thinking, especially for my generation, Irish wrestlers, the first guy, Dave Finley. Yeah. And probably I, the only guy. Exactly. And at that time, so no one knew who I was. You know what I mean? I yeah. did a couple of indie shows and stuff. And I was wrestling in Ireland, all right. But like, I kind of branched into England a little bit, but not in the mainstream England, like the IPW shows and all that, the, the very kind of like internet Yeah, sure, shows. the big ones, right. But anyway, so I went in, I got in the ring. Of all people, I had a tryout with uh, Dolph Ziggler, Nick Nemeth. No kidding. Yeah, he'd just been on the road. Match was a disaster. Nick really? And I, was a, you and Dolph uh, had a disaster well, match? Dolph had only been in the ring. Like, I think Dolph had only been wrestling for like three months. Gotcha. And he was brought up as a caddy for uh, Chavo, <laughs> for right? Chavo, yeah. <laughs> so I, I still talk to Ziggler about it. You know, we used to laugh about it. But, uh, like, it was just, it was, yeah, it was, it was so, uh, uh, Ricky Steamboat and Finley are on the, um, on the outside. Ricky Steamboat's, like, talking about Jack Daniels, his favorite Jack Daniels drinks, the Tory Wilson. So I'm in there and all that's all I'm hearing in the back of your head. He's uh, hitting on tour and not even watching your match. <laughs> yeah, he's just trying to smooth, <laughs> smooth and be charming. And then um, it was it was it wasn't good, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but great thing about Fit was he gave me advice. He talked to me, and he said stuff to work on. He told me to talk to Brian Dixon, which I did. And then uh, I went over to I, I was working. I, I made a, made a I made a decision that when I finished work on Friday. I would fly over to Dixon every uh, after work on Friday. I'd do two shows in, in, in All Star Wrestling, and then I'd come back. I'd fly back next, sleep in the airport on Sunday night, and then. So you're talking about you would work your job and get Monday off Friday, Friday afternoon, go straight to the airport, fly to to, to England. Liverpool, yeah. Wow, on Ryanair. You Ryanair, worst airline ever. Ryanair actually a couple things you can you can back me up on this. They charge well now they do they charge you to go to the bathroom. You have to pay a pound to go to the bathroom. It's a little sure? walk. Is, that, do, is that for real now? They do now. And they also sell standing that? up tickets. Did they do that back then? You stand up against the wall and they put a seat belt, like a cross seat belt, and you can stand up. Oh, my God. It's the worst <laughs> airline ever. So you'd go to Ryanair, fly over to England, do your Friday, Saturday, <laughs> Sunday show or whatever, and fly back for work. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> I'd, stay, I'd stay in the airport that night and then I'd fly next morning. Who paid your trans? I paid it. Okay. So I I got gone so far I've gone as far as I could in in Irish wrestling really you know the guys I was wrestling they were uh, I was you know in there with they were they just they weren't they were at the same level or, le- yeah. or less than me so I knew I had to go get in there with Brookside and and James Mason and all these guys and um, and just try and perform at a much higher level mm-hmm. and learn because I was pretty much learning on the fly so. Yeah, I made that decision, you know. And then on the holiday, the vacation time I had, like the lads were going to, to Greece or they're going to Spain. I was going to All Star for two weeks mm. at a time, and, and, and All Star wrestling. Yeah, yeah. All Star wrestling with Dixon. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was paying my own trans over. But uh, yeah, as far as uh, it's a very I, similar story to, to Barrett. He was doing kind of the same thing. Yeah, you know. So what are you gonna say about Ryan? He's at the flight though. He's at the yeah. He just said to get in his train. Yeah, lazy punk. <laughs> <Jammy> bastard. <laughs> so you can say as far as Ryan Air. Yeah, as far as Ryanair go, I remember that they were just the worst. Like, but Terrible. It's cheap, it's the cheapest flight, so when you're, you know, you're not making yeah. real money, it's, just, it's it definitely. You know what else they would do too is because uh, we've flown there a couple of times with, with Fozzie from place to place. Is you'd have your carry-on bag, and you'd bring it up to the gate, and then they'd have this little tiny like fit your carry-on into this little yeah. tiny box, so you have to check it, and then they'd charge you like you know forty pounds or fifty pounds. But at that point, you've come too far to go back and. 
gate, uh, yeah. check it so you have to pay. It's a sham, man. It's yeah. a sham. It's a business. And they're all in with it with the airports, especially the smaller ones like uh, Stansted and there's another one as well. Um, Those are Irish airports? No, they're in England. Oh, in England. Oh, Stansted. Yeah, absolutely. Stansted. Absolutely. absolutely. What's the other one? There's, there's two. Gatwick. Gatwick, Gatwick and yeah. Stansted are the two kind yeah. of independent airports. But I remember that happened to me one time as well. I was so fed up. I was going, I was in this movie called The Escapist with um, Brian Cox and Joe Fiennes. And I just moved to England when I got this role for this two-ton movie in, in The Escapist. And I was like, this is, uh, this is great. But then I ended up, <laughs> I ended up literally getting to England. And then like in December, the end of December and the beginning of January, literally flying back and forth the whole time. And Ryanair was what I was using. And uh, <clears throat> I remember um, one time I was so, I was so, I was so <laughs> determined to, like, not to give them any more money that I was going through and I had my carry-on bag and I had like kind of my, some of my wrestling gear in there. And they, um, they, the same thing, like, oh, it's over by two pounds, right? So I had this like, cloak I used to wear like, with, the, with the cross. I was like, yeah, really? I took all the gear out. I put my gear on. <laughs> I, I put the cloak on. And I just walked through. And as soon as I got through the other side, I just put it all back in the bag. I'm like, they're not getting any more. We played that's money. Right, that's right. <laughs> and the seats don't recline either. They're molded plastic seats. Totally. So uh, the, to the fine people at Ryan Airlines, if you're listening, we don't like you. <laughs> There you go. They're brutal, man. So, 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 so you're talking about. I mean, we, 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 you're talking about how you were going back and forth and all that sort of thing. How did you finally get hooked up in the WWE after your horrible Dolph Ziggler tryout? So, <laughs> it was really bad. So, um, <laughs> but it, it made me be determined. Like, it was funny. I talked to Dolph about that when we had the uh, world title match uh, in 2012. Like I was saying, how funny it was. Like years ago, we had this terrible tryout match in um in dublin and now like here we were I, i'm trying to remember where we were World even. title match kiss in, kiss my ass Buffalo, match you guys been working yeah. quite a bit yeah, yeah yeah so yeah so uh it was you know an interesting time like i mean i i had to get the all-star and I, the more the more i wrestled the more the more confidence i got in what i was doing and the more pointers because you're, I you're all obviously too like and i keep using barrett as an example and drew as well because you guys kind of came up together because yeah. all three of you guys are naturally big guys so on the independent scene or the european scene when you're coming up i'm sure there's a lot it's like here there's a lot of smaller guys a guy like you comes in the door you're going to get more chances just because of your size that's just the bottom line of wrestling so i'm sure you're getting lots of gigs just because of that just having you on the card is is an asset that was kind of a weird situation because definitely like i i I was, you know, we were a lot bigger than a lot of the guys on the independent scene. Mm-hmm. And, like, I made sure that, you know, I tried to get to the gym as much as I possibly could. Uh, now, like, but the thing was, especially in England, it was a huge thing, influx for, like, I like I remember I had a couple of, the first Irish Foot Wrestling match, and I remember someone talking about, oh, like, there was, must have been about 20 people at the show, right? Mm-hmm. It, was in a, it was in the gym hall. And I remember... Uh, uh, Joe Joe Cabre going to me. Oh man, they slated us on the on the internet, and I'm like, what you what are you talking about? Joe? They slated you. Slated us. Slated the show. They slated the show. Oh, on the internet. Like they I was like, talked bad about it. Yeah, but I'm like, who who who? What are you talking about? He goes, oh, it's on the internet, man. The boards. Board. I was like, something called boards.ie, and I was like, who 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 was slated? <laughs> what are you talking about? There was 20 people at the show. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, oh, they you know. Are you talking about the 20, 20 people at this show? They're, they're on online, just like burying <laughs> There's a riot us? between the twenty people. Yeah. It's just like I didn't understand. Like I wouldn't understand how, like, and like even then, like, like these guys were just like they're so 
concerned about what like 15 or 20 people were saying <laughs> sure, about sure, them. Sure, sure, right. I, you know what I mean? I was like, I didn't get it. So in England, there was there was a lot of um, there was a lot of buzz about these smaller guys like Johnny Storm and Jody Fleisch and and all these kind of small kind of guys. So a lot of promoters weren't really. Con- I mean, they were using a lot of TNA guys too and the former WWE guys, but they weren't really concerned about like your size or stuff. They just wanted to try and get those uh, internet smart uh, smart gotcha. wrestling fans in into the building. Yeah, and by using these small high flyers and, and you know what I mean, these mm-hmm. kind of like uh, spot wrestlers and stuff. So I didn't really like so th- that kind of like. Now that kind of a, you know, it was, so the doors didn't fly open. Gotcha. Because um, you didn't have really much of a name value. No. Right. And for All-Star, Dixon was the opposite. Dixon wanted guys who were bigger and who looked the part. That's why when I, when I went to Dixon, it was it was a kind of a shoe-in for me, you know. Gotcha. But I remember I met, I was, I met Wade. I was, I was, you know, I was over in Wales uh, doing a show. I'd already met Drew. Drew had come in from uh, British Championship Wrestling. And to me, like, even then, as a young kid, he was really tall. And we had our first match, literally, like, we had a couple of minutes before we did it and we, we hit it off in the ring and, and we, we um, you know, we just became great friends, you know what I mean? We had a good, good uh, you know, good personalities, words that matched together, had a good laugh, shared the same stuff, you know? So we had a good banter and a good talk and just became good mates or great mates. Uh, and Wade, I saw Wade at Celtic and I saw Wade for the first time. Now, if you, if you know what I'm talking about, like you see all these guys and they're about four foot tall or whatever. And all they're going to do is high flying and stuff, and, and the spandex is hanging off them, which I've never actually, I never <laughs> that thought that possible. I didn't even know that was possible. So <laughs> these lads, like, spandex is hanging off their bodies. Baggy spandex. <laughs> it doesn't make it. When you see that, you know, yeah. you know, you're just like, yeah. you, got no, you got no chance. Yeah. But I saw Wade, I was like, I was like holy, holy shit. I was like, the size of Wade. He, just, yeah. he was just huge. He was just really present. Tall, and, and it just blew me away. So, I was like, man, we need, I told to Simon, I said, I said, Simon, we need to get this guy for Irish wrestling. And uh, he can be a great, great heel, you know what I mean? And uh, we talked to him, we brought him in, and we did some shows. And and, uh, and then me, me, him and Drew got on. We did all-star shows together. Uh, so the three of you guys kind of stuck together? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, whatever, whenever we were on the shows, we did. And then we did the tryouts together as well. So we did the first tryout, I think it's November in Manchester in 2006. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, Basically, uh, they stuck us in a broom closet. <laughs> <laughs> that was where you're changing. Yeah, the broom closet. Me and Wade. Uh, every time we passed it, we're in Manchester, we normally go to the broom closet just to remember. <laughs> just it's a clean broom it. closet. Like they just share. You're in there. Get in. We didn't even have a dress room. We didn't even have like there wasn't even the curtain off area. It was a bleeding broom closet. <laughs> they stick a couple of chairs in there or something. I don't even know if it was chairs. No, just, <laughs> just get in there. What do you get out of the way? And there was a guy there. Uh, Merce, uh, the uh, Pierre Marceau, uh, Mikel, he's the French guy now in uh, in uh, NXT. He's gonna oh, kill Sylvester Lafort? Uh, no, the other guy. Oh, okay, I don't know the guy. He's going to kill me now. I mean, okay. well, his name. We'll edit uh, it in later. Okay, let's edit it in. <laughs> he was on this buzz, right? Uh, he was on this massive buzz because like, he thought like, he was getting big and he was training hard. So it was hilarious because like, he came in and he was like, I, I'm bigger than most of these uh, WWE superstars, you know? And I'm like, I'm like Mikel, Pierre, just relax there, will you? So he goes off and he's like walking around with the, like the, you know what I mean? With the barrels under the arms. He's walking <laughs> around the whole, we're watching him. Me, Ray, Drew, Wade, a couple of other guys watching, watch him go off in the corridor. I don't know if you know the backstage in Manchester, but you go up and then it's, you go around. You can do a whole like loop. Yeah. So he goes off all confident, right? <laughs> and then he goes back 10 minutes later, opens the door, all depressed, head down. I said, what's wrong with you? You all right? And he goes, I don't understand. 
Everyone here is bigger than me. <laughs> uh, but that's what happens. That happened to a lot of guys. I remember uh, a friend of mine, his name was Rick Titan, and we, he started in Calgary. We were in Japan together. He was six foot eight. You know, he was bigger than everybody. As soon as he came to the WWE, he's just another guy. Because yeah. you had guys like the, the, the hog, farm, was pig and hog, uh, tech slot. You know, those guys yeah. are Billy Gunn. Godwin's, right? Billy Godwin's, Gunn. Like, Billy Gunn, deceptively huge. Unbelievable. Right? So when you guys came to the WWE, was it kind of the same thing where you're walking around going like, we're basically just kind of above average here now? Yeah, you had Kali, you had Big Show, you had Snitsky, you had... uh, guy like Kane, you never think about. He's massive. Yeah. You know, Taker, massive. You know, all these guys. Santino. Test at the time. Santino's a giant. (laughs) Santino. Big George. (laughs) Big George. (laughs) We we always laugh because Santino knows like every uh, size of George. Oh, my friend, uh, little George. Uh, my friend, Big George. My friend, medium-sized George. He's about seventeen thousand Georges. <laughs> yeah. How many Georges pick you up? I was like, which George is that? <laughs> Everyone, you shout George in the airport, and everybody turns around and looks at you. Well, yeah. oh man, yeah. So you get there, and you're just kind of blending into the scenery now with the size of those guys. But you guys, uh, I think I remember this from from either Drew's when Drew was on. Actually, both Drew and uh, Wade have been on this show, and both of them said, "Hey, let us know when Seamus comes on. We want to make sure we did better." <laughs> ratings than he does so we'll see the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, we're continuing the amazing conversation with Seamus. So you, Wade Barrett, and Drew McIntyre all tried out for WWE together and kind of got signed on the same day. Is that correct? We got signed exactly the same day. That's insane. Yeah. So we did a try at Manchester. John John Laronis wasn't there, so we didn't realize like that he had to be there to get signed and stuff. But we got a lot of feedback from Fit and everything. Um, it was pretty intense. I remember Regal being like, "Oh my god!" I, like I've never like the whole idea of like finding big guys because so many big guys together. So I flew myself to Milan because uh, because they uh, I was told by uh, Mike Bucci <laughs> that there was no room for me in London. So, no room for you to have a tryout? Yeah, no room. Mm-hmm. So I, I flew myself to Milan on Ryanair. <laughs> and, uh, we should get a sponsorship for Ryanair. I think they should. I think they owe me money. Actually, <laughs> they do. Yeah, no, me too. Bastards. But uh, I flew myself down there, and I had a, had a dark match with Jimmy Wang Yang. Um, got knocked out, and I think it was like the first minute with a spin kick. Didn't oh. put my hand up. You remember that spin kick you used to do? Yeah. I don't really remember much after the match, but, but uh, how apropos that you got knocked loopy with the spin with a kick? Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Brogue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I've never seen a, a spin kick come as fast like that from Yeah, me. I agree. Like, I remember that one. Yeah, I mean, I, he just came so fast. And I, I remember it was my head shooting back. And I just remember looking, oh, wow. Look at all those people up there. That's cool. <laughs> What's happening right now? You don't even realize it at the time. That's the thing. When you get knocked out in the ring, I got knocked out once. And my partner was in Japan was tapping my ankle to try and wake me up and i just remember like it felt like i had like a two mile long leg and at the very end of this mile long leg he's tapping it like it felt so far away wow. like wow i have a long leg and you kind of wake up and it's like <laughs> and then it comes into 
Everything. It comes into yeah. view again, yeah. Were you able to remember though? Like, I remembered it afterwards, yeah. But it felt almost like, uh, like if you pass out after having too, a few too many cocktails, and you wake up and you kind of take a few minutes to kind of remember what did I do, and then it kind of slowly comes back. But it's it takes a while. Yeah, yeah. No, I did the same thing happened to me in the elimination chamber when I was in that match with WWE champ. I went in. I don't know what it was. I took I took uh, I took one thing one thing pretty snappy to the pretty quick to the head, and then I. Banged my head off the the steel grate on the chamber, and all I remember is like, like looking up, and I'm looking. I'm, I'm by the post. I'm by one of the chambers. I remember looking up and like, oh, what is going on? Like, yeah, it's like that. I used to have a dream or like or, or a nightmare where you like, you start wrestling, but then you like you wake up and then you're in, you're like it's t- five years time and you don't know everything. Everything in between that time is just <laughs> what happened. Yeah, you're like, like you're in a coma know, or something, I, yeah. right? What am I doing? So I just remember looking up and Scott Armstrong is right there going, shame, is shame, is he all right? You all right? I was like, what? I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you just, but then you get frustrated because you're trying to remember what's happening and yeah. what's coming and, and you can and, and the, because it's not coming to you, you start getting frustrated and mm-hmm. tense. Start getting panicky. Yeah. But um, yeah, I did the dark match. Uh, Jimmy knocked me out. Uh, that spin kick, I just did. I, I'd never take anything like that before. I was so fast and, um, I remember I finished the match, kind of got through it. Don't remember anything about it. Not having a lot of luck on your tryouts. Not here, really, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty bad luck, actually. Um, but yeah, John Johnson's come to London, so I went to London. I met Drew and Wade there. We had a lot of hot matches. Uh, Drew and Wade got in the ring, and Drew was so like tensed up that Drew knocked out one of uh, Wade's teeth. As a, to tell you that story, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wade had to go to the hospital. Yeah, the next day. day yeah. And then come back the day after that for uh, another tryout or whatever it was. Yeah, we had to finish the tryout the next day. Yeah. I wrestled as well. So um, it, was, it was good. It was good that the John Arnold came to us. So I was the last person he came to, but he came, went to Drew, went away, offered him deals. And came so to what me. are you thinking? Like, okay, those guys got deals. There's no way I'm going to get one. Or were you like, did you even know what was going on? Well, I had a I had a friend of mine, Ray Senior, there who's there, you know, and he's helped me with a lot of stuff over the years. I mean, he's he's great. Like he's, uh, as I said, like Kim and Drew have been my best mates, and and Ray is just like he's solid. You know, he's got some great ideas. And like when I first met Ray, I like I shaved a head, and I had, literally had like I was wearing fake tanner, and you know, I just didn't look anything like I look now. And I was trying to be like everybody else, and, and Ray just snapped me out of it. And then what did he, he tell you? He just said that you, you know you got the most you got the most naturally unique look that you could possibly want and you know to stand out from everybody else you're trying to be like everybody else and we you know we talked about it we shared our same interest in celtic mythology and and then creating a character that would be just uh that would be that would be taken seriously rather than something that's going to be like hokey Hmm. and um just just hold on for a second you said celtic mythology yeah so are you talking about you know rather than being the typical irishman yes. dressed up as a, a leprechaun darby o'gill and all darby, that or like, a, yeah. or like a, a a drunken pub singing we drink and we fight and we drink and we fight and we fight and we drink and we fight it's <laughs> <laughs> a family guy <laughs> yeah exactly exactly because that's the thing, you always have had like this, your like the kind of the the, the white skin, yeah. which nobody in wrestling has. Exactly. Like you want to be tan, tan, tan. Like I don't even know if you could get a tan if you if you wanted to. No, I've tried, mate. Yeah, I've tried, and it's, it hasn't hasn't ended hasn't ended well. <laughs> it ended well. It has not ended well. Um, but yeah, I, like it was just I weren't sure what would Vince still got some guy with no tan, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it worked out great because it just it just came my natural look you know just gave a completely different look the reason what you were thinking is the reason why he liked it because no one else has that exactly right 
and Ray Ray's been great. Like where Ray's designs has some gear for me before, has designs gear for me, and you know we talk all the time, and you know he's um, he's great just to, to talk to and vent and run ideas by. Are you talking about like you're talking about gear and some sim- sim- symbolism like the the Celtic gear, cross yeah, that yeah. you have? Yeah, we, we run it by each other, and we like he's, he's great. You know, like it's he's outside the business, and um, he's uh, he's got a very creative mind, and we bounce stuff off each other all the time. You know, where did um, you come up with the name of Seamus? Seamus was just a, it was an Irish name, very Irish, very yeah. Irish, and I just thought that it would suit the WWE. Mm-hmm. Because um, originally it was Seamus O'Shaughnessy, right? Seamus O'Shaughnessy. Yeah, yeah. Vince, that's, Vince, that's, Vince likes the one names. He does. Neville now is Adrian Neville is now Neville. Neville. Cesaro. Cesaro, exactly. Batista. Yeah, you have a tendency to lose Christian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have a tendency to lose your first name when you you come or your last when you come to the WWE. Yeah. Um, I I can see what he thought. I think he's probably a little bit gimmicky, Seamus O'Shaughnessy. But the SOS was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, uh, like. You know, we were all there, and um, I guess Johnny um, Johnny asked me, who is he? I says, I just, I just, you know, my manager, you know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of like, he goes, so he kicked him out of the building. Ray? <laughs> yeah, he kicked Ray out of the building, yeah. <laughs> and um, so, Sorry, buddy. So I thought he'd, he, I thought, so I thought basically Johnny was like, oh, I'm not hiring this guy because I'm a manager, you know what I mean? So I was just like, look, I can't, he walked up to me, he goes, who's this manager guy? He says, it's me, mate, you know, it's, it's, hmm. it's Ray, you know, and he's like, uh, why do you have a manager? I was just like, you know, we work together, we talk together, we're like, we're mates, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? We're like, we have a lot of great ideas together and he's, uh, he just was like, um, all right, well, uh, give me an offer of contract, this is the deal, so he gave it to me. So that was it, I handed my notice the next day, um, Bucci was, was uh, awful, trying to get in touch with, like he was just like, I don't even know. Because he was like, for some reason, the head of talent relations yeah. or something like this? Was John, yeah, he was like kind of in the Mark Rano position at the time. Gotcha. And uh, he just like, or was he? I don't know if he was. Something along some, those lines, Or yeah. a Ty Bailey role, right? He was a Ty Bailey yeah, role. Yeah, he's kind of in talent, uh, yeah. whatever you would call that, talent development or whatever maybe. He was brutal. Like I'd be emailing him and stuff, I asked himself, he just never responded or he just, you know, he just, <laughs> he's the worst ever. I was like, wow, they really, they even want me coming over here, you know? And Mike Bucci would be a, a supernova, or Nova was his name in ECW. Simon Dean. Simon Dean, that's right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So how was it for you when you first came over to the WWE, uh, you know, from working kind of the indies in Europe, and then now you're you're over in the states, and and I mean, what was the transition like, just from a culture standpoint? It was crazy. Like I remember landing in Tampa, Florida, and it came in September, and I got off the plane, and I nearly had a bleeding heart attack. It was like, <laughs> it was must have been like nearly ninety degrees outside or more, and I remember the heat hit me. I'm like, yeah, I'm from bleeding snowman walking into the desert here, you know. <laughs> It was like crazy. Um, I got picked up by a guy called Steve Madison, another guy. I was just like, I literally, I really had no information when I landed what was going to happen. So I landed, I got picked up, and I got brought to uh, this uh, Joe Gomez's house. When Joe got, yeah, everyone, everyone in Tampa always comes back to Joe Gomez. Yeah, yeah, takes care of all the all the boys. Yeah, so they didn't have a bedroom for me, so I slept on a. Um, what you call those things? You know those a cot? No, no. It was like you know when you wear you, the sun lounger. I slept on the bleeding sun lounger that would collapse about four times a night. <laughs> Why? Did you not have a like, you No bad. They didn't, they didn't give you a place to live or hook you up or anything like that? They, the, put, me, they put me in Joe Gomez's gaff and all the rooms, the couple of, uh, Tommy Taylor and Chris Gray and Hayde Vance were in there. So there was no bed. So I was literally sleeping on, on a slum. So the WWE lounger. brings you over and just sends you to Joe Gomez's house? <laughs> yeah. Were they paying him a, a fee? like foster children or something? Well, I think it was through FCW that was uh-huh. done. Um, so I, I literally got, I was like, <laughs> screw this. So I'm going to, 
hooked, uh, kind of like became buddies with Ted DiBiase in the first week. So I moved in with Ted, and then we just got a place which is closer to, to ta- downtown Tampa. So that was grand. I got mm-hmm. out like Brandon as well to me because I, I, I wanted to enjoy myself too, and I was close to everything downtown. Wait, yeah, downtown, but Brandon's in the States nothing. Yeah, that's like living in Cork. Yeah, it's worse than living in Cork, mate. <laughs> Like living in Tipperary. <laughs> Tipperary. <laughs> so how long was it from, from when you came into W until you became uh, the world champion? Because it was fairly fairly early on in your run, within a couple of years, yeah, right? You know, I went to, so, you know, when you're in FCW, you don't know when you're going to come up or what's going to happen. And then they just got a, I got a call uh, to go up on the road a couple of times. I went up and had a few dark matches, one I had against uh, Truth. And then out of the blue, they, they, they said, uh, they spoke, after Mania in 25, WrestleMania 25, they put me on the road. So they're going to go on the road. So on the road, on my own. Um, straight away, I, you know, obviously because of Marlon, had that like, and Regal was there. I started talking to Regal a lot, um, and we hooked up. And Regal just, you know, I got Regal to ride with me, and just and, and helped me with my matches. And, and oh, and so you me. hooked up with Regal on the yeah, road. And Scott Armstrong too jumped in as well, um, and like basically. You know, Regal was watching my matches and you know and critiquing me, and we talk about talk about stuff on the drives anywhere between you know yourself, three hour drives, two yeah. hour drives, and five hour drives, and it was it was really great. It was like having this like this 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 like wealth of knowledge and experience like beside me when he didn't have his neck pillow and his on his eye uh, <laughs> his, his, his eye mask, his eye mask, his on, mask. and then put the, the, the chair back. Uh, he was great when he wasn't sleeping. <laughs> But uh, that's kind of a lost. That's kind of a lost thing, though. Now, like because there's not as many veterans to no. be able. To, like my first riding partner when I got to WCW, along with five other guys. But Arn was in there when he was still working. Arn, yeah. You know, and like you said, when he wasn't, you know, angry or you know, trying to find a white castle or mad oh, because he didn't get a, a ice cream sundae. You'd just sit there and listen to him talk and learn so many things, both good and bad. Yeah. You know, I think that really helps you develop when you're a younger guy uh, coming into the business. I couldn't agree more. Like I could not agree more. You, you need that. And like regarding our, 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 I've drove at Aaron once or twice. I was either going too fast or I was going too slow, or uh, you know I wasn't changing lanes quick enough. Damn it, Seamus! I didn't have the fast bastard here. You have the fast. What's wrong bastard. with you? God damn! <laughs> oh, it was a nightmare. I wanted. To, I wanted to literally just literally. I wanted to jump out of a moving car <laughs> yeah, when I drove. End him. this now. Like just go. Just, yeah. Just jump out Indiana Jones style. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But Regal was great, yeah. Regal helped me a lot, and uh, like you know, he, he saw that I was passionate about what I wanted to do, and I came on the road. And then and after a couple of months, you know, I, I got an opportunity in ECW. A couple of us did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they swapped everything around. They moved guys from ECW to SmackDown, and I, I went. To, so that was your first uh, on TV appearance. It was the ECW brand, yeah. okay? Just before an Australian tour, I believe. But before that, like um, Regal, is just, Regal, you know, kind of got me introduced to Triple H as well, which uh, at the time apparently got me a lot of heat because <laughs> apparently I was What'd kissing Triple H's ass and stuff. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I was I was Triple H's workout buddy and stuff like that. It was so funny. Oh, got you heat with the boys. Oh yeah, gotcha. Yeah. It was so funny because um, I, again, I didn't know really anybody who was on the road a while, and, and Regal obviously was friends, with, was very good friends with Triple H. So and they knew how much I wanted to get on. It was like. Like, I wasn't just prepared to just turn up. I really wanted to learn. I didn't want this to be something. Like, I've seen so many guys as a, as a fan come and go, and I didn't want that. I really want, I knew this is a great opportunity of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was just like, I need to get as, absorb as much information and knowledge as I can. 
and like Regal was great and all and Triple H again someone who's like been there done that you know and you know he helped me out he'd always come and talk to me about my matches if you know and, and he'd give me his opinion and it was great but if, and then when we got to Australia I was kind of like I didn't really know any of the guys because I was you know we got there again I was still fairly new and he said hey you know like look it's your first European first overseas tour you know let's go uh, me show and Chavo are going to work out you can come with us you know and I was like, cool. So I worked out with him and hung out with him and chatted. And he was, you know, he, he sussing me out, you know. He was kind of, I guess he was just seeing, like, where my head was at. And if, you know, because I'm sure so many people come on, on WWE and they're like, this is my dream, you know. I, I want to yeah. work hard and, you know, I want to be the best. And that they're just words, you know. And I, sure. I, I was just, he sussed out, you know. We, we, we talked a lot and, you know, I told him what my goals were and, and I just wanted to learn. And it was great. We hit it off right away course a lot of the a lot of the boys at the time were just saw this as ah look at this guy he's sticking his nose and dripping he's his com- ass yeah. he's, he's brown nose and um and you know even you chris like I, when you were there i when i moved east and you were in smackdown in ecw i was a, i was looking for you know i was looking for advice and talking yeah. like, i went to the guys who i thought would help me like i'm not saying oh because he's in that position that position but it was like i want to learn like what they've done is right. They've known. They've done. They've taken the right steps. They, and what's wrong with that? Exactly, right? Exactly right. You know, I'd love. I'd love people to come and ask me. You know, I like what yeah. they do and ask me. It's great because I love. I love like sharing my experiences and 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 what I did that was wrong and then what it was right. And I've done made a lot of mistakes. And my my main thing though was to avoid a lot of mistakes that guys had made. And, and that's what you told me. And, and Triple H. Remember, and remember the one time the hair. Was it the hair? Do you think the hair? The hair, it was the hair, yeah. The hair was sticking straight up. Seven foot tall, yeah. And what did I say to you? He says, yeah, yeah, I like your look, you know, it's great, you know, your intensity knob. He says, your hair, you know, it's, uh, how do I say this Uh, without insulting you? You were like, it's it's really long. (laughs) There's a point when it looks cool, but there's a point when it just goes beyond that and looks a little bit... Like the heat, Hulky. the heat the miser. Heat miser yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you had it, you, you you cut it down, but you had it really sticking straight up. Straight yeah. Up, yeah, and then I remember another time too. You, I think it was when you first came in or close to it. You power bombed somebody on the floor. Jamie, Jamie, and I was yeah. like, and it was really intense. And it was really good, but I was like, you got it because you slammed them down. I was like, you got to take care of the guys that are giving you your your, your body because I know you're super excited. But I remember, I remember telling because you know why I did that because it's like. He asked me to come and give him advice if I ever saw anything. And yeah. this is something that, you know, I saw. So that's good to have those people to give you that advice, you know? No, I, I remember that well, Chris. Yeah. I, I remember the advice. And it's been, it's been great, you know. And um, as I said, like, from opinions of people who have done everything, you know what I mean? For me, it was just to learn from you guys and, mm-hmm. and try and apply that. I do remember, though, like, the first match I had with Jamie uh, the, the week before, because I was I moved from ECW to Raw, and I didn't even realize that the significance of that. Of like a lot of people watch Raw and never even watch ECW, so right. I was going into this show and I was like, it was like starting again. It was yeah, like sure. ECW, but like, no, you're starting all over again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember the first match. It just uh, we thought we did well, and then it was just there was a lot of negative stuff that came from from above, and then. So I had to do it again, and I was just like, wow, this is not, like, I need to make sure we do this right. But you had to redo the match? Yeah, we did. Or, we, we had a like rematch. Had a rematch gotcha. Week, yeah. And Jamie, Jamie was amazing. I, I, to me, uh, Jamie was such a, such a great help. Uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely, well. man. Absolutely. He, even watched him the other night on Raw. I don't know if you watch him now with the authority. Yeah. Like, he just goes in, he hides behind. He's like, great. He's just 
He's an amazing he, character. He, uh, uh, when Sean and uh, HBK and I had had our feud in 2008 and nine, like the classic Jericho Michaels, he was our agent, our producer. And every night we, we requested him because he's so smart with just little details. Like you mentioned, hiding, yeah. you know, uh, try this little hold here. It's a very, very, very good uh, behind-the-scenes talent, you know? Jamie's great. He really yeah. is. I like. You know, he, I've learned a lot from him, and just, just, but just as a character, watch them. He's just, he knows who Jamie Noble yeah, is, the character, that's right. and, and stuff with, with Kane, and when he's seen the stuff with Nadia, uh, Nadia and all, yes, he's, yeah. just, <laughs> he's just a great, great character. Like little things like that, like you don't even, you only have to tell him, but like just the other night, man, he just was in the ice behind. I think it was Triple H he hit behind. Yeah, total but, straight face. But yeah, so um, that was the deal. So all of a sudden, then right, we go in, we, I moved to Raw. I get on a roll. I win this breakthrough battle royal again, uh, you know. And all of a sudden, then I'm uh, and I'm in a TLC in 2009 against John Cena. Which uh, before that, I'm thinking like, uh, there's no way I'm, I'm walking away here with the title. You know what I mean? It was a championship, championship TLC match. TLC wow. match, was a tables match with Cena. And we had a huge build up to that. I was in there with Mark Cuban, who I'd never even heard of. <laughs> uh, He's just this billionaire around. guy from yeah, down the road. I had no idea about <laughs> basketball and everything. But I do remember before in ECW, I remember, I, I, you know, I, I, I uh, had a feud with Shelton Benjamin, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, got, I had no problems with Shelton. I thought Shelton was, Shelton's, I think Shelton's an amazing athlete. Mm-hmm. He can do stuff that's incredible. But I don't know what it was. He, he, uh, we were doing these matches and he kept, every time we were sitting down, he was calling me rookie. Okay, uh, the rookie and the rookie. And, really? Yeah, yeah. He's just like, I don't know what it was. It was just okay. weird. It was weird. So. And I, I'd never been anybody nice to him, you know, and I was just trying to make this feud really good because i come out with an awesome feud with Goldust. Now, that was, that was, that's really what put me on the map because Goldie and me, like, oh, from I day, remember from, that. Yeah, from day one, mate, Goldie. He's so effing good, He's man. amazing. Like, Goldust. So, so good. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, he's, to me, he's one, like, he was one of, the, one of the best feuds I had at the right time. Like, he was there for me for everything. Like, mm-hmm. and we, and... Even he says to me, like, I brought a lot out of him that, you know, he hadn't seen him in himself yeah. in a while. And we brought, we really, we got stuck into each other. We made <laughs> lumps out of each other. And it was great, you know, we both felt it. So I come out of that feud. I was kind of, when did this Shelton Benjamin feud? And then there was the thing about Raw was happening kind of simultaneously. But I remember Shelton was like, oh, rookie this, rookie that. And I was like, you know what I mean? I was like, I, I, yeah, I was like, a kid. And, I was a little bit disappointed by it, you know. You I mean? might have even had more experience years wise than him, to be honest with you. In, in WWE? Uh, you know, years in the ring. Oh, years in the ring, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, I think he might, I, I really think he had a, lot, bit, a few more years than me. But Chris. it's not that much difference. No. You know, maybe 12 it's to not 10 like or something. You or Sean yeah, yeah, or yeah, something yeah, yeah, or yeah, Taker, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So I was just, you know, a little disappointed by that. And then we went in and then we had the feud and we finished it and then. Um, we finished the ECW thing, which was kind of going on at the same time as Raw, as I was, I was merging into Raw. And then I hadn't seen him for a while, you know. And uh, it really, actually really annoyed me. Like, But um, as I said, like I was going to pay, say professional about it. And I, not, I don't have anything against Shelton. I still yeah, think sure. it's great. But I remember uh, TLC, uh, after Pete Johnson, I'm there standing there with the uh, WB Championship. And uh, I say, I was just thinking to myself, who's the bleeding rookie now, mate? <laughs> <laughs> I was so funny, Chris. I walked backstage with that title, mate. I walked backstage and every, it was like a ghost town. There was so many people pissed off. It was brilliant. And the thing for me was I wasn't a 21-year-old kid, mate. I've been around the block. I've That's dealt, right. I've dealt with a lot of experiences. I've dealt with a lot of people. And um, as I said, uh, it, it was just a great feeling. Like, but see, you need to know that. Like, I always kept an eye on what's going on. You can say, like, it's not... 
reading the the dirt sheets, but it's 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 keeping an eye on who's out there. So I knew when you came in and Barrett and 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 even now with you know a guy like Neville or or, or Finn or uh, Itami or Kevin Owens, like these guys have been working for a long time and yeah. at the top level. And I don't care if you're the main event of Irish Whip Wrestling. Or the main event of WrestleMania, the concept is the same. You still have to know how to get over. Yeah. Daniel Bryan, I knew he would get over the moment he came in here because he'd been over everywhere else. Yeah. If you don't know that, that's on you. Yeah. And for someone to be like, hey, rookie, whoever's saying it, it's just stupid. It's not smart, you know? Yeah, I didn't understand. I mean, I talked to, I talked to Hurricane about it. Like, But you see, the thing was, like, I was like, okay, that's fair enough. Like, whatever, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. opinion is. And you know what? Like... It, to me, it's all water under the bridge. I've met him since. You know. Oh, sure, sure. I'm just saying in general, like the ghost town of people being angry that Sheamus won or angry oh, that yeah. Edge won or angry that Jericho won. You know, I've been through it too. I was the undisputed champion and people were pissed. Dude, I've been in the business for 12 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Come on. Take it easy here. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I, I, didn't, give, I didn't give a damn. Like mm-hmm. to me, it's like I'm standing, I'm standing there with the, the WWE Championship. Drew McIntyre was there. Uh, Ted DiBiase was there because um, it was halfway through the show. But like, to me, it was great. You know, I just I couldn't believe it. Like it was just I was standing there with the WWE Championship. Uh, it was just it was just an incredible experience. All your dreams that you had thought like, about, like, just like that, so fast. And I mean, it was just funny. Like I just all this had come so fast, and there was people there obviously for years who never even had 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 a, had a, had a championship match. You know? Yeah. And uh, it just it was it was just amazing. Well, but, but the thing is too, though. I mean, okay, you you have this unique look, and. One of the things I always liked when we worked, and, and we haven't worked a lot, but we always had really good matches. Every time, yeah. Do work strong style. And there's a difference between being stiff and working strong. Yeah. Stiff is dangerous. Stiff is knocking people out, cutting people open. That happens once in a while, but not often, you know, if in the in the in the course of a match. But working with you is like you gotta be it's like you feel it, and it makes you more into it, and gets you more, it gets the crowd into it more. It's a great style. To me, I've never been one for being a high flyer. I've never been one to be able to, uh, like, I'm not the most acrobatic. I'm not the most technical. I'll, I'll be honest about not that. Not the best looking. Not the best. Definitely not the best looking. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'll do tell you this though. I, I do pride myself in bringing a really hard style to WWE, and I, I, I've taken the making, getting and making the best of my opponent mm-hmm. always bringing them up to the level like right. I always like try and, and spark something in them and that's what pride on like everything I do uh, means something and I want people when they watch my match to be able like like I don't know those other matches like there's a lot of like moving around but man that Seamus guy I wouldn't want to be hit by him you know and it goes both ways too it's like uh, for the opponent as well it just brings them something out because I like uh, I was like this is, this is the level we're going at either you know you, could, you can keep up or you can, or you can just you can fold over. Yeah. And most of the time, pretty much most of the time, everyone steps up. And now, like especially me in a different role now, I'm, I'm loving it because, like, I get to do to the, I get to get in there with the baby faces and, and get to to go toe to toe toe with them. Like I could bring what what I want to be brought out of me as a baby face. Most times, a baby face was in there with smaller guys than me, um, and and some of the time very less aggressive than me. So when you're like oh, the baby face and stuff, and you're like beating lumps out of your uh out of your out of the, the, the the so-called bad guy or the heel whatever it's just you know it's very hard to get like sympathy or you know mm-hmm. what i mean so um i really felt misplaced for a long time in that situation you feel misplaced as, as a baby face i kind of did in the, at the end yeah 
I mean, certain opponents, obviously, I'd be in there where we have great matches, like Brian, because I knew Brian would always, like, even Brian as, as a heel was amazing, like a uh, heel or baby face, but he was just so aggressive. Cesaro, you know, these opponents that were in there, Barrett, like, you mm-hmm. know, these guys that were in there with, but then, you know, you get away from that, and then there's a lot of opponents that, like, they just, you know, they're yeah. just not aggressive, so it's hard to... Right. So now, in my role, I'm just loving it because now, you know, obviously going with uh, Ziggler and, and, and Neville and these guys and Daniel Bryan, like I'm a, a taller than them, I'm bigger than them. And it's just that kind of persona, just like... Just, More of a just, bully. Absolutely. Just like, I just dragging out them. And the people get behind, like, I can feel the people getting against me and getting behind these opponents and just like want, want them to bake the, bake, mm-hmm. bake the crap out of me. And just antagonize. I just feel more comfortable, even on the microphone everything about it I just feel at home like the last month I, I told uh, some people like I've felt I feel like I'm starting again but with all the knowledge of the last five and a half years of being a heel and being a baby face I feel like I'm starting again I feel fresh I feel like it's brand new and I feel like I feel like nobody can touch me I feel mm-hmm. like I am top of the world and I'm untouchable right now and this is this, it's all been building this has been a lot of frustration uh, over the last while over the last uh, year or so when I came back from the last injury I from the, the shoulder injury when I went sailing through from the top rope through a ladder I uh, which wasn't very uh, acrobatic but when I when I did that when that happened I came back I was like I was in I was in rehab every day like working on my shoulder I was in the gym I got leaner I was like I'm coming back and I came back and obviously with Batista came back Roman uh, Reigns was on that role and I just got kind of lost in the lost shuffle lost in the shuffle yeah you know, and it was just like to me, it was just it was a start stop. Even like missing Extreme Rules, winning the U.S. title the next night after, then like doing a pay per view, then missing another, pay, then missing SummerSlam. It felt like it felt like you're you're going you're under, missing you're SummerSlam because you're hurt or because there's just no because room of for stories. you. Like See, yeah, changed. Yeah. I was supposed to go with Rusev at SummerSlam, and they switched it back to Swagger, and that whole fit as well of Rusev's character because I I knew that me and Rusev could have great matches because of his physicality. Like that was a heel I wanted to be in there with. Like that was a heel that was like, listen, this guy's rough he's good i mean you know what he's, i mean he's, he's physical bigger than you almost he's, yeah right? he's just just a mound of muscle and mass you know it's like i can i can get something you know we can have a great match great chemistry like him and uh ryback had a match on smackdown the other night you know it's just two big guys going at it which you know which to me uh i really enjoyed that match because yeah, yeah. it's just like a throwback but i knew i could get something out of rusev but the disconnect was I'm not merely American, you know what I mean? He's going against the American U.S. title. I'm an Irish fella hold, holding, the, you know, holding the U.S. title. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah, it's just it's just a little bit disconnect, and and the way that went, and the way the title changed to Rusev as well. You could tell it was like it's kind of sidestepping the story a bit, mm-hmm. you know. Obviously, John and Rusev ultimately going to Cena and Rusev, Mister America, John mm-hmm. Cena and and Rusev, Mister Russia, but. From Bulgaria, uh, but uh, <laughs> I always, always slag him off over that. It, it's it's hard too though. Like when you've been the champion, have you been the champion three times? Or I've two? been a champion three times. So we'll be champion twice, world champion. So, so when you've been the world champion, it's always hard to kind of Step go back down. down the ladder again, which yeah. is what happens to all of us. So that's a little bit uh, of a confidence effector, if that's a word. So and especially when you get left off cards because there's no room, it does mess with you mentally. It does. It really does. Um, gets frustrating, you know. And uh, like the start-stop thing for me was frustrating because it's like you're on a block and you want to go and you stop and you go. You want it like it's you need to. It's like it's like a race. Like when you you start that car and you you, you hit the hit the accelerator, it, you, the car is taking speed and you're going, mm-hmm. you're going, you're going. It takes like that's what it is. It's a build-up. When you go and you stop and you go and then you stop, it's just like it's so frustrating because. 
you feel like you're going nowhere. Yeah. Where you want to start and you want to go. Like now I feel like I feel like there's nothing in my nothing's gonna stop me in my path. I feel like right now I feel like this this is who Seamus is, this is who Seamus is meant to be. Mm. And I'm I'm so excited about the prospect of all these like baby faces like Daniel Bryan, I'd love to get in there with him again. Obviously, Ziggler is a great athlete. You know what I mean? Like, always his great matches. Love getting in there. It's just slapping him around and just firing him <laughs> up. You know what I mean? Firing that, firing him up. But the people Neville's can feel great. that too, though. Yeah. The people feel that. Ambrose, Roman, Randy yeah. again. You know what I mean? Like, Cena, like, Brock Lesnar. Oh, that's that's the one, mate. That'd that's be a great me. match. I've heard people talk about that for a long time. But physica- physically wise, especially Brock now with the, the, the crowd behind him. Crowd love Brock. Oh yeah, I would love to get in there with him and get stuck in. Th- with there's him. no way it won't happen because you guys. I mean, you go in there and punch him in the face as hard as you want to. <laughs> You're just gonna look at it and go dum dum dum. Yeah. <laughs> you know what else I like too was when you came back. I told you this the other day when you came back with the new look, the new hair, and the beard. I was like, I like that stuff because to me, it shows people this is a different guy. You know, and and there's people. You know, people say you look stupid, whatever. That's good because they're right. now. It's like. When I, when I came back as a heel, I dropped the countdown, put on short trunks, you know, no more catchphrases. Hey, what's the matter with the, why'd you do that, Jericho? We like the countdown. Because you're let, I'm letting you know this is real. This is new. Same with you. You come back with this look. It's a new guy. Yeah. It's a new character. It just, it was, to me, it fits everything. Like, I came back last time I did that. There was a song, Pearl Jam, uh, lyrics, I changed by not changing at all. There was a, there mm-hmm. was a line in there, and that's what we felt last time I came back. It was like you know, this is this this is the you know brand you know this is two people know Seamus is, and it didn't work you know, and it nothing mm. happened. I was like you know what, as soon as I had my hand surgery, shaved the size of my head to the mohawk right away, and I was just like I, I the new demeanor was I've had enough of this. I've had enough of waiting around. I'm I'm not doing this anymore. I'm like I'm I, like I'm fed up of this consistent like this this you know. The same cruising, thing. Yeah, cruising. I don't want to cruise anymore. So I did something drastic, and I hid it for a couple of months too. Like people take the hat off. I wouldn't have had the beard braided. Right. I did. It. I did it all. as soon as I had that surgery. Went did it right away, and then I took it all out, and I kind of kept it, and and I just the whole demeanor, the whole the whole attitude changed, everything about it. Like I'm not stepping back anymore. Time, the clock keeps ticking, mate. Mm-hmm. Clock keeps ticking, and whatever, new guys whatever are coming happened, in. New guys are coming yeah. in, and then you just end up staying there. But like you're right. You've done it so many times. You have to look at yourself and go, look, I can't do this anymore. This is not working. I can't sit back and, and rest and with something that, that worked two or three years ago and it's not working right now. Guess Bingo. what? Boom. And I walked out there and when they started chanting, you look stupid, I was, to me, it was, I just embraced it. I was like, this is what I want because I've always talked about reactions. It's not whether they like you or dislike you. It's whether... It's you know when you get a reaction. It don't matter if they hate you or not. When there's silence out there, that's when you have a problem. But when they reacting and they're physically and emotionally involved in everything that you do and the way you look and the way you move and what's happening, it's it's the best feeling in the world. Yeah. I knew that this whole attitude which I had had been building up inside me and, and the look. I knew I had to bring that together. And it's uh, it's uh, bro. It's only it's only we're only, we're only, we're only like skimming the surface right <laughs> it's now. The tip of the mohawk it's right now. Tip of the mohawk. <laughs> A couple last things. There's one thing I wanted to ask you about. Uh, how did you feel when you go to WrestleMania 28 against Daniel Bryan? I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure you had a match in mind, yeah. you know, or at least some ideas. And you get there and you find out it's going to be an 18 second match. How how early uh, or did you find that out? The day of, two days before, a week before? Yeah, it was 
pretty close to what was happening. We got Aaron Anderson told us about about it um, and what was going to happen about uh, when about the match. But when though? Day I'm before? Sure I remember? No, I think it may be in the week before. Okay. So, so uh, there was a lot going. See, so we obviously had the the match at twenty seven in Atlanta next as well. We were shoe in for a U.S. title match. Oh. Um, and then all we were on the on the on the map for that, and then the week before, uh, Fifth Finley came to us, and he said uh, they've decided that it's going to be a lumberjack. It's going to be in the pre-show. Ooh. It's going to be a lumberjack, and then it's going to turn into a battle royal. Oh. Three whammies, mate. And uh, we were just whammies. we were just like we were just we were just devastated. Like, it's like, absolutely devastated. It's going to be on the pre-show. Oh, and it's going to be a lumberjack match. Oh, and it's going to show the battle royal. It's like, <laughs> yeah, wow. I mean, we try to make the most of it. We were thinking, you know, like me and Brian were thinking, putting together, should we put the match together or whatever for the battle royal? But royal. mentally, you're pretty devastated. We're devastated. Right. That was the worst ever. So you're thinking, okay, this year we're going to get our chance to make up for last yeah. year. Yeah. And then it was an 18-second match. No, I like I knew I knew what the, I knew the back I, I knew the backlash was going to be huge. Mm-hmm. I knew like I know our fans. I know That's right, because the fans got mad at you for it. Absolutely, yeah. You ever were. since that from that day on, the, the, the tide started <laughs> to turn. And God, and I tell you what, Danny Bryan, man, he embraced it. Whatever they gave him, he embraced it, and he just he rose above it, and he like he literally. He just became. But hey, like, you can embrace that now too. Oh, bro. You know, Mr. 18 Seconds. I I'm won the title in 18 it. seconds. Yeah. No one's ever done that. Here, here's something you might not know too, and the fans might not know this either. The same WrestleMania, it was me and Punk uh, working for one title, you and Daniel Bryan working for the other. And Vince wanted our match, which had started this blood feud about his father was an alcoholic and all this stuff. He wanted our match to go eight minutes and ended in a disqualification when Punk wouldn't break in the corner from beating me down. You know, that shite finish. Like, oh, you better stop. You better stop. Ring the bell. And I was like, Vince, you can't do that because we had this idea, I'm sure as you did, we want to make this a great wrestling yeah. match on the show. And the only reason why he changed his mind was because you guys were going 18 seconds. He didn't want two crappy title matches on the same show. Hey, so man, my said, match was amazing. What are you talking about? It was the best 18-second match I've ever seen. <laughs> Except for I didn't see it because I think I blinked and I missed it. But that's why. It was like, you know, I can't do one if the other. So the original plan was you guys do 18 seconds, us to end in a double count-out disqualification eight minutes. That would have been the worst WrestleMania there. Well, that was the thing, though, with us. That was the thing, though, like the, the, the build-up for those matches where there was so much that went into uh, Sean Taker and, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, Triple H. Then there was... Um, there was obviously you guys. Then there was uh, Cena and The Rock, which That's had, right. almost went nearly an hour. And then there was there was a couple other things. So like we didn't. And the story wise for the for our match, we never really got that build up. I mm-hmm. won the Rumble, and then it just kind of, you know. And then we had Extreme Rules, and I, I kind of hit Brian with that uh, with the Celtic Cross, and even the crowd are like, because they had such a great match with Santino. I didn't even want to go out. I was thinking, I don't even want to go out here. Like, mm-hmm. I remember Santino was awesome. It looked like Brian was going to beat Brian for the, you know. Was that in the Elimination the Chamber? Yeah, the yes. Elimination Chamber, man. It was so good. And I was like, I was like, I don't, I was like, I don't think I want to go out here. You yeah. know what I mean? And I went out there and I hit Brian with that, uh, with the white noise. And uh, I just, you know, it was, there was a chain, you know, it was just, it was just a weird thing. Cause it just, like, sometimes your timing can be perfect or not so perfect. That's right. And then a mania, obviously, you know, it was great. I kicked Brian's head off in 18 seconds. A lot of people were upset about it. And, uh, but uh, I'm sure I'm sure we're going to meet again, and I'm sure it's going to be another classic feud. Because I remember the two out of three falls we had extreme rules in Chicago. 
Oh yeah, just, great, 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 great match. Was that was match. that was a great show because you guys had that. Then it was me and Punk in a Chicago street fight, and then it was Brock and Cena. Yeah, that was did, one we, of the, me and Brian killed the show, bro. We beat you. And Punk, well, man. we yeah. actually did a little bit nah, better nah, than nah, you guys. Yeah. Way, I took a poll. I stand in the crowd and took a poll afterwards, and <laughs> you took a what? <laughs> I took a poll. <laughs> you took a poll. <laughs> yeah, whose bat? Whose match was better? Hello, hello, come over. I set up a table in the back of the arena. It was arena. biased, though. Yeah, of course. I just or asked my family fans members. Or your Twitter, your <laughs> yeah, Twitter exactly. Fans. People wearing Jericho shirts. <laughs> Last question. Uh, that was a great. That was a great. That was, that was to me. That was better than Mania. Actually. I agree. Was, I agree. And that happens quite often too, where the, the pay per view after is better than the main itself. But last question: uh, If you, if I asked you, what's the favorite match you've ever had? Could you? Like, what, what one pops in your head? I can't answer because um, because I've had so many that are so. Which like, which ones? A couple that are stand out. The Daniel Bryan Extreme Rules two out three two out three falls. Uh, the Big Show match with Hell in the Cell. Um, you guys always had good chemistry too. Me and Show, yeah. Well, he's perfect for me because, like, in that role, like he was just he was able to throw me around. And yeah, you can be the me, you yeah. can be the 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 hot young baby face with the big giant beating you Probably up. Right? Hotter young well, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you can be the baby face. <laughs> you can be the small yeah. baby face against it's, the giant. Let's be realistic here. Yeah. Like, realism. Uh, <laughs> so that I I really enjoyed my first Mania match with Triple H twenty six. That was an experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there's a few Morrison in the latter match. We had some. We, we really did. Good, some, on Smackdown, we, we, right? That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Smack, Smackdown was really good. And we had a four way, which I thought was really good too. And four ways are usually kind of hit or miss, but that one, everything hit. It was really, really good. It was good until I hit that white noise there. And then, oh, you got in trouble for pinning me with the white noise? <laughs> Did you, what, but you had to beat somebody was, else right afterwards with the no, with the broad kick. kick. Yeah, no, no, no. I was trying to remember that. But you I hit remember, me with the white nose. You pinned me and then pinned someone else with the broad kick. Did I? Yeah. I, see, I don't remember. I don't remember anymore. Anyways. Whatever. But uh, as I said, like you know, the last five years to me have just been a warming up, a warm up spot. It's funny when you think about like you look back at the past at their Stone Colds and, and Undertakers and how many years they've been wrestling before they actually oh, get a chance. You know, totally, man. But now, absolutely. But right now, Chris, I feel like. I feel like I really feel that this this is this is an exciting time for me, exciting for Seamus and like I'm I'm willing I'm ready to push the boundaries out as far as I can. I'm ready to have as much fun as I can. I, I beat the crap out of Zach Ryder with a microphone in my hand last week. I really enjoyed it. I really did. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. And uh, as I said, this kiss me arse match as well. I'm I'm excited about making trying to make Dolph Ziggler kiss me arse in front of the entire Chicago crowd who let's be honest I'd really, I'd like everyone in Chicago to kiss me arse too, to be honest. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Kisses well, we, 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 we always had a really uh, love hate relationship, me and Chicago. So, well, they're going to hate it. I'm excited. All I'm right, nice man. Well, I appreciate you having me over here, man. And if you ever need someone to do your lawns or something when you're on the road, now I know where you live. So I'll bring my mower over. Are you good, are you? Uh, is it a pusher? Is it a manual? Not bad. I'll give you, I'll give you my business card. You call me. <laughs> Chris Jericho's landscaping. <laughs> All right, thanks to Seamus for the hospitality. Had a beautiful house, made a nice cup of coffee, and we had a great uh, conversation. I'm glad he he didn't want me to kiss his ass. He's a really big guy, and I wouldn't have had any choice, all right? He's uh, he's on the tear right now, man, and it's very, very cool to see him. Very cool to see Wade Barrett, who, by the way, is the highest-rated guest in Talk is Jericho history, which is weird, right? Think of some of the guests I've had, but I guess you guys loved him. He's the king of the ring, uh, and we're excited to... Uh, to uh, you can go back and check that episode out anytime you want to. You can also go back and check out the Slash episode 
uh, two Slash episodes, which is very apropos because Fozzie and Slash are hitting the road for a mini tour starting May 18th in Chicago. That's right. 21st, Austin, 22, Beaumont, 23, Houston, 24, Dallas. We are going across Texas, man, hitting Chicago. It's a great bill, Fozzie and Slash. Go check it out. All tour dates at FozzieRock.com. There's a lot more up there. We'll get more into those in a few weeks. And then, of course, October 30th, it's the Kiss Cruise, Fozzie and Kiss, going from Miami to Jamaica. Really, really excited about that. Paul Stanley, good friend of mine. We're going to be killing it overseas, on the seas, through the seas. Anyway, you slice it, man. And I ain't talking about Gene Simmons. And I also want to say, uh, anyway, you slice it. Thank you for supporting Talk is Jericho. I know there's dozens, hundreds, thousands of podcasts to schwa's from. I thank you for schwa's of mine. I'll never let you down, man. Either will all my great advertisers, Pro Flowers, Arctic Ease, Instant Cold Wraps, DDP Yoga, Me Undies, and of course, Amazon. Thank you for doing your online shopping through those Amazon links. Every time you do it, Amazon kicks back a couple bucks to the show, so I can keep doing it for you for free for twice a week. You know how to find the Amazon links the same way you find them all. Go to podcastone.com, click on the Sporto Show's banner at the top of the page, UAG, then click on Talk is Jericho. You'll see all three of my Amazon links, UK, USA, Canada, A. Don't forget, you can go shopping, buy whatever you want. There's no extra fees, no hidden charges. You're just helping support this show and helping to make me uh, feel good feel better after the the poopy week that i had talking to you guys makes me feel better remember tough times don't last tough people do all right the only people who tell you you can't do something are the ones who have failed i'm not going to tell you you can't do something because i did it you can do it too be all you can be man and i'll see you guys next week i got uh actually by an act of happenstance i was going to interview him anyways and in the meantime in between time he just happened to be named the senior director of creative and tna on next Wednesday, I got Billy Corgan, Smashing Pumpkins, Main Man, and TNA, Creative Main Man. He's the reverse Chris Jericho. I went from uh, wrestling into music. He went from music into wrestling. Both of us at the highest, highest level. Billy Corgan will be here on Wednesday. We'll see you then. Yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at PodcastOne.com. That's PodcastOne.com. 